Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 89. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. And, and how are you? I hope you're well. I know I asked that um, about a month ago, and uh, I told you all to tweet me to let you know how you are. And that's confused and annoyed me for a good month now, because people obviously are listening in their own time, and people will just tune in and go, oh, yeah, no, I'm good. And then, yeah, it's kind of annoying. Um, it's confusing more than annoying. It's not annoying. I love you kids. There's been loads going on. I mean, last week we gave you two podcasts, which was was nice. And the reaction to both was amazing. Dave and Graham and the announcement of the new Leap UK special podcast. That's very exciting. I'm just having a quick... I was, I was looking at the number of the podcast and I'm having, having a quick look over what we've had so far this year. And it's been great. We've had, had Robin Ince. We've had Jason Reed. We've had Kieran Gillen and and Jamie McKelvey, which was amazing. Jim Smallman of Progress Wrestling, that one went down an absolute treat. Saul Williams, that got so much love. The All Elusive Riker episode, which I was hyping for ages and had the details of how to get the the ultra-limited edition Scroobius Pip toys, so that went down crazy. Obviously, the, the Housing for Women special with Mira, I've never seen such a reaction on Twitter and in general. So absolutely amazing. Again, I've mentioned it b- before, but I had the refugee special last year with a Ramel, which got a lot of love too. And the point of that podcast was to do an episode where I sit down and interview this particular young a lady called Ramel, who's a refugee from the, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And then I was to take that and, and kind of draw up draw inspiration and write a song based on it and that was all all for the british a red cross did you hear my stomach rumbling then it wasn't my stomach it was a neck rumble that was weird um the project for the the british red cross and that's out now it's called the long road ep and it features me it features a robert plant it features kindness it features the refugee all-stars and and loads of cool people so give that a listen if you fancy it but I should also mention speechdevelopmentrecords.com. Man, we've had a busy year as well already as we sit here in March and we're already just swamped. We released the comeback a King Blues record and the video, the whole album's called Off With Their Heads. They followed that with a stadium tour supporting Enter Shikari, which went down amazingly. And we did a, a video for it that went kind of mental and got over half a million views in the first a week or two and just went nuts. So yeah, that's been good check check that out we're getting closer and closer to the date the blood red vinyl is available it comes out in april so we're getting closer to that so get your orders in to make sure you get one and then we've also had the b dolan live album a lot of you will be familiar with b dolan and particularly live a lot of you of you will have seen him live supporting me and dan lasak supporting me and my band doing his own headline tours headlining the speech development tour um he's one of the best live acts i've ever seen in my life and it seemed completely natural for him to put together a live album, which 90% of it was recorded in the UK and in the UK and Ireland. So yeah, check that out. All of that's available at speechdevelopmentrecords.com where you can also get Team 3W Distraction Pieces t-shirts. There's two different designs, three different colours. There's mugs. There's all sorts of good stuff. So that's a good way for you to support the podcast. Um, obviously, we give you these every week for free, and we really appreciate your support in in buying and wearing stuff. It was actually great to see um, at 
I saw pictures of people at the Enter on the Enter Shikari tour because obviously we've had had Ralph from Enter Shikari on the podcast and Itch from King Blues on the podcast, and just seeing people who were bumping into each other in Team Three WTs and having pictures together and realizing they're all all part of the same gang. So that was a beautiful thing to see. But on to this week's episode, this episode eighty nine, and it's with Blind Boy of the Rubber Bandits, which is hugely exciting because we've. You know, it's one that we've been t- been talking about for a while. I was r- r- raving about these guys for a while. I played a couple of their tracks when I was recording my XFM radio show, The Beatdown, up in up at the Edinburgh Fringe. But I'd been aware of them for a while before then. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's one of the favourite conversations I've had in a long while. Um, I mean, I don't. I was, I was about to start explaining who the Rubber Bandits are and going into it, but we kind of get into all that in the episode. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it be and 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 jump into it. So enjoy this week's episode, episode 89, with Blind Boy of the Rubber Bandits. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. And we're rolling. Um, I'm joined today by um, one of Limerick's finest, a rubber bandits. I'm joined by Blind Boy. How are you doing? How are you, man? Not too bad, no? Are you well? I'm fantastic. We're in 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 london enjoying the nice the nice evening air we are we've got a a, a beautiful oxford street apartment that's all right isn't it unexpected. unexpected indeed yeah i like it i like it what brings you to london at the moment um, working on i'm over doing a, doing a few secret tv things that i'm just negotiating with and uh i went to the lads in soho theater and i said Boys, I need somewhere to do this podcast. This is very important. So, so Hotier kindly donated a, a flat off Oxford Street. It's a, it's a pretty huge donation, really, isn't it's very it? Nice, I'm, I'm a, very nice. I'm appreciative of it. Um, I should. Exp- I mean, we'll get straight off the bat. For anyone who isn't aware of of the Rubber Band, it's number one. You should be, but number two, they might be hearing s- some rustling. So, I should explain that you've you've got a plastic bag. I on do. Your I've face. got a, a plastic carrier bag in my face. Yeah. Um. Wh- wh- where did that all come from? I remember the first time I saw, I saw you guys before I heard you guys. And I fell in love with that instantly. It was, I just uh, thought it was a very Edinburgh striking Comedy image. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I knew that image, and I was like, "This is, this is great. This is, this is wonderful." Um, and the, the, the thing with the bag, I suppose, is uh, just a rejection of celebrity bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's we, we grew up watching Big Brother. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? we, we, we we would have been watching that when we were like we've been going 15 years now you know we've been yeah. we started off doing prank phone calls then we started doing music then we do performance art we do the last um we 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 have a an artistic movement called gas cuntism I've 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 heard the term I've heard yeah. the term but uh we just grew up watching big brother and like with, with big brother when it started you'd have people who won the competition and for a week they're the most famous person in yeah. Britain and Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And then they slowly fade. Yeah. And it confronted us with, you know, kind of, Jesus Christ, celebrity isn't all that nice. Being recognised probably isn't all that nice, do you know? Yeah. So we th- we adopted the bags because, for, first of all, as well, it's, like, it's nice to wear a plastic bag in your head, do you know what I mean? It, it's, I'm sure it is. It's a, it's a huge look. It's 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 a good look. Um, It's surprisingly comfortable. Yeah. Um, 
I, we've worn the, I've worn the bag in Australia. That's the only time it became difficult because <laughs> I can imagine it's, it, we were in Perth doing a gig and it was like forty degrees heat. Yeah, and, and the bag was there, so it was incredibly hot. But a DJ in a rubber lizard mask, I find it incredibly relaxing. In fact, the only time I really dance these days is when I'm DJing. So the only time I really dance is when I've got a rubber a lizard mask uninhibited. on. Uninhibited, feel completely uninhibited. Yeah, it, yeah, it is, yeah. It's a beautiful thing, but also you do then get that sweat building up and those and it's, and a, those it's an interesting sweat because like with the bag there's sweat on your scalp yeah. that's never supposed to make contact with your eyes yeah, yeah. it's it's very yeah. stingy it finds its way this human scalp i think is quite acidic yeah do you know yeah. um but other than that it's grand i gladly wear a bag on my head it's you know i get to casually buy buy carrots in aldi and no one bothers me yeah it's perfect i mean it, it, just speaking on the whole a celebrity th- thing there it's always struck me um because big brother is one thing the fact is yeah. you've prepared for that for probably a month you've probably yeah, thought oh i'll yeah, put an yeah, application it's... in i'll do this you have your moment and then you drop off i can live with that the one that gets me is the olympics is the fact that you'll train for four years yeah. or, or your whole life but there'll be four years building up to that specific yeah. one even if you win gold probably a week later yeah. You walk down the street and no one's going to give a shit no at all. It's a bizarre a one that, 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 that there's such a thing that for a, the briefest moment, it's the biggest thing in the world and people will train for years and years for it. And then you could, you, we could have, have walked past several Olympic gold medalists it's, on the way here and wouldn't have known. What does that do to a person's self-esteem though? Yeah. You know, because the thing is, is that every human thinks they want fame, but once you get it, I think it's quite a negative thing because you're like... It's not good for a person's self-esteem to be receiving it's too much external praise. Yeah, yeah. Because if everyone is saying you're brilliant, you're brilliant, you're brilliant, the person starts to believe it themselves. Yeah. Like it, it I I think personally it's what got Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Kurt Cobain was a man with a, a lot of mental issues, a lot of self-esteem issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the world was telling him he was brilliant. But he inside was telling himself that he was shit. Yeah, and I'm going to be found out. I'm going to be found out. I'm going to be exposed. Um like when people would say to him uh, Teen Spirit is an incredible song. He himself would go, "It's not. I just, I just stole more than a feeling by Boston." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He didn't have the self-esteem to actually appreciate his own creativity. It yeah. was a self-loathing thing, and you know, he he didn't end up in a very nice situation. It's, it's interesting because you're right there. Because I think it's, I think it's as much as anything that we're told that we all want fame and that we're all craving fame and desire yeah. fame. Because that's probably it. I've probably in this brief conversation, I've I've solved that Olympics thing. Is the fact is. They probably don't give a fuck about fame. That's not why not they're doing Olympics it. People, no, it's they're a doing different it goal, yeah. for that achievement. It's interesting. I've got a guy on the label called Giacomo Brown, who's a folk singer, and he had an album, and it got, I think, seven or eight out of ten in Uncut magazine, yeah. and it was got good reviews. And it's a debut album. We didn't even expect it to be covered. He's not done anything since because he never had any desire to be famous as a musician. Yeah. He played two live gigs. He didn't see the appeal, and. Uh, and just put a record out. And people always hit me up going, oh, oh, when's his next album? I'm like, I don't think he's right. I don't think he's working on anything. He just had some songs. Yeah. Recorded them. I twisted his arm into putting them out. So it's kind of a beautiful thing when, but it's, it does, it shocks you. Like it people are shocked you, yeah. when I say that. They think that's weird. It's like, well, no, he just isn't into it. It's like, you assume everyone's goal is to be famous. Yeah. 
And I think it's a lack of self-love. I think it's a lack of self-compassion. Yeah. Um, Everyone has that issue. I think the nature of our society, if you look at the nature of our society, we live in a consumerist society. Yeah. Um, Advertising only functions by keeping us down. Yeah. Like, I can't remember the last time I've been sold a bar of soap based on how clean it's going to make me. Yeah. I'm sold soap based on how thin it's going to make me or how yeah. beautiful it's going to make yeah, me. So yeah, yeah. our entire consumer culture needs us to have a low self-esteem and a low level of self-love. Yeah, so true. everyone thinks, if I get this approval from everybody, it'll be okay. And it's not the case. Yeah. Unless you've got... um an empathic relationship with your own emotions and unless you have a, a degree of self-love, it doesn't matter how many people are telling you you're brilliant. Yeah. It's never going to be enough. Never, ever, ever because it's an unfillable hole. Yeah. So do you think... Th- Addiction as well with, with people who are in the public eye. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, there's the argument of if somebody's famous, they, they're more exposed to drugs and parties and there's more... Here's the other thing as well. If, if I didn't have a bag on my head... Yeah. I wouldn't be able to walk into a pub in Ireland without someone either calling me a cunt or buying me a pint. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if it's one so, or the other, one or the other. And there's a, an Irish folk musician called Luke Kelly. Yeah. And Luke Kelly turned into a, a very a, a desperate alcoholic, very yeah. very bad alcoholic. And he himself said the reason I became an alcoholic, I wasn't even that much interested in drink. People assumed I was because I played Irish folk music. I couldn't stop having pints bought for me. Yeah. And if a person comes up in a pub and buys you a pint, you you got to take it. Yeah. If you reject it, it, it's you know it's it's quite offensive to that person if you yeah. don't take their drink. So there's a lot of these things like if fame isn't what it's it's packaged to be. No. Um, it's, it's it's definitely an interesting one that kind of that that turning it on its head and questioning why we desire fame or questioning why we even put this pressure on celebrities and, yeah. and so on and so forth to be under the in in the public eye. A growing up. Did you, do you think growing up in Limerick influenced you in any way to how you changed your perception on that? Um, I'm, I've played numerous shows in Limericks at Dolan's and a, a few other spots. Always absolutely, I loved it. And it shocked me the first time I went there because before we went there, we played Dublin or somewhere and everyone yeah. was like, oh, Stab City Don't and all this kind Limerick. of thing. And, yeah. and all that and all, all, all panicking about it. As soon as we get it, it's beautiful. The crowds were lovely. Yeah. They were rowdy, enthusiastic. Yeah. And uh, is, do you think any of that has influenced you? Coming from somewhere that some of Ireland tends to either joke about or try to look down on or yeah. demonise has made you go, right, I don't want to crave these people's opinion or these well, people's views or, or whatever else. You, you're on the ball there. Um, remember I mentioned earlier that we're entertainers, but we also look towards the art world. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing with us and our relationship with Limerick is that Limerick has got a very, very poor reputation. It's, yeah. seen, it's seen as unfairly as quite a, a violent, dangerous place, but this is not yeah. the reality. So when I was growing up in Limerick, I'm reading on the newspapers about everybody in Limerick is terrified. Everyone's afraid of getting shot. Yeah. But the reality is, is that was only a very small amount of the community. Yeah. For the average person on the street, you're looking at the national newspaper and what they're saying is not true to the reality of living in Limerick. Yeah. So what we took is we're very interested in the concept of what's known as hyper-realism. Yeah. It comes from a philosopher called John Baudrillard. And with hyper-realism, it's kind of like a copy of something becomes the reality. Yeah. So the reality became... 
Limerick is in in actual experiential reality. Limerick is safe, mm. but because all of the papers were saying it was unsafe, that became the reality. Yeah. So we considered what we we were doing at the time to be a parody of the media's representation of Limerick. Yeah, it yeah. was a hyper-real send-up of how Limerick was being represented in the media. So that's kind of what started us with what we were doing. Yeah, and I completely under, under, uh, understand that. The first time I saw you guys, I saw a videos, and I'd, I'd, I'd heard and seen stuff before I saw you live, but the first time I saw you on, on, on online and things like that, it was very much it's... The bag's on the head with holes cut out. It's got that very it's intimidating. intimidating look. You've there's there's shirts off. There's yeah. general that that kind of attitude and and aggression, but in a in an overblown and comical way, it's I guess. Overblown, and, as you said, in a parody way, comical parody. But as well as that, we we try and confront people with their own prejudice. Yeah. So people would at the start would come to our gig and assume. Oh, those boys on stage, they're, they're hard bastards. Yeah. Do you know, they, they're, they're going to get into a fight. They've got knives. Yeah. But we would present this image to a person's prejudice and then start talking about Baudrillard. Yeah. And then start talking about Sartre. Yeah. And then the people in the audience are scratching their heads going, but I thought you were feral monsters. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that is yeah. your prejudice, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's what's great. I love that. That definitely came across. And we're going to jump about the timelines constantly because I do want to get to the starting and things like that. But that's what you've said there was my exact experience. Me and, and my mate Tom were up at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2013, was it? Or 2012, it would have been 2013. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't Big Tom, was it? Big Tom the comedian? No, 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 no. All right, no, okay. No, no it's it my friend who was up there. He, he, he filmed my Fringe show for me and yeah. he, he stayed with me in a flat ad for a few days and we came to a, 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 a late night gala show and we knew that you boys were on and I played yeah. him some stuff and we we're like we'll give him a look but again I'd got that perception of intimidating scary yeah, yeah, tough yeah. lads and then hearing songs the, the ones that jumped out to me was Spastic Hawk yeah. which again from the name sounds quite shocking and offensive yeah. but is the most warm and beautiful song and Spoiling Ivan was the one that yeah, both of us yeah, yeah, yeah. were like Oh, this because again, there's that image of, I mean, a Frankie Boyle. I was going to say as a comparison, but in in a way, he he suffers from the same because he's got that image of shock for shock's sake. But he's very intelligent and very political, and you realise there's there's stuff there exactly. So it's that that kind of thing. I'd kind of prepped on being, oh, they're going to be quite outlandish and outrageous, and then every time we thought it was going, it was like, man, that's actually a beautiful song or a pastiche on this, or or making spoiling Ivan in, in particular is about a relationship between a man and a child in a yeah. kid's playground. And it completely f- allows the audience to think, right, this is going to turn to paedophilia yeah. at some point. And it doesn't. It's just beautiful and it's a the nice... Paedophilia open... is, is in the... It's the prejudice of the audience. Yeah, exactly. It's a, a belief that a man and a child cannot be... Cannot have a relationship yeah. because the media has told us... That it's that, not a possible thing. It's a, and now yeah. what you have is adults... Me as an adult... Um, if I meet a friend and they've got a child, yeah. I'm scared. Most adults are scared of making contact with that child or being friendly with them because the media has told us this is inappropriate. If they are not your own child, there are very strict boundaries about how you behave. Yeah. And I don't know how, how realistic that is, you know. And how about the children growing up very, very young and that child who's three or four years of age, which is, 
you know, children don't have the ability to critically analyse. They just, they can read adults' emotions and not understand them. Yeah. So you've a generation... Amazingly, amazingly acutely amazingly as well. They can take these they the slight stuff in that we wouldn't notice as adults. That, the the language of a, of, a, of a toddler is micro-expressions and micro-emotions. Yeah. So if you're anxious around a child, you can smile at them, but they will... They will see the anxiety behind yeah. your smile. Yeah. So there's a generation now of very, very young toddlers, and they are looking at adults who are frightened of them because they're afraid to make contact. Yeah. Because yeah. society has told us if you are not that child's parent, you you can't. Uh, you're not allowed to kiss babies. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's it's a bit of an, an odd one, and I wonder how those children are going to turn out. So. That's what Spider and Ivan was about. It's about confronting the audience with a, a prejudice. It's like the, nothing in that song is in any way paedophilic. No, no. But people actually walk away from it going, that song was inappropriate. No, it wasn't. The inappropriateness happened in your own head and yeah. you projected it on the song. Yeah. And again, that's a beautiful thing because then you're like, you're, you're having to have that internal battle exactly. with yourself. Going, you're right, going, why? If that's inappropriate, then that's my fucking problem. That's exactly. My, but most people issue. don't have the self-awareness to realise that. And a lot, yeah. Like we've had... Um, We've done that song and had people leave and just shout, fucking paedophiles at us. Yeah. But that anger is an internal anger towards themselves. Yeah. But like we were saying there with Frankie Boyle, like Frankie's an interesting one too. And Frankie's well up on his art. Like he, he knows, yeah. he knows Dada, he knows the lot. He's, uh, I spoke to him recently and I was shocked with how much he knew about art. Yeah. But what Frankie will do, Frankie will make a joke that is horribly, horribly offensive. Yeah. And it is observably offensive. But the reason he's doing it is going, I as a comedian have just made this offensive remark about, we'll say, people with disabilities. Yeah. However, the red top papers are just as offensive, yeah. but you don't see it as offensive because they can contextualise it in a way yeah. that, like red tops are disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They destroy people's lives. Yeah. 100%. And we're angry with Frankie Boyle for yeah. making a joke. And yeah. that's what Frankie's about. And there's a weight behind what Frankie does. Um, like he's not Roy Chubby Brown. Yeah. Roy Chubby Brown is just Completely. a racist man, but he has no weight. He has no intellect behind what he does. Frankie's got loads of it. Yeah, and there's 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 tons of comparisons. There's people like 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 for me, Doug Stanhope is one of the best yeah. at, at True Shock. And I remember I remember the first time I saw him, it was at the it was at a Pim's comedy festival. Mm-hmm. So it was it was exciting because because pe- people like Frankie I went to a Pim's and, and, and and Doug. The sad thing is they now play to their own wonderful audiences. So yeah, it takes yeah, some yeah, of yeah, that yeah. edge away. But seeing him at a Pim's Comedy Festival, there was a lot of people that were getting up and walking oh, out. They're not initiated. Yeah. And it was amazing that there was a woman in front of me and he started this 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 routine at, at one end of the stage and it was incredibly offensive. And she was screaming at, you can't say that, you're sexist. And by the time he had worked the routine across the room to this end of the stage... She couldn't say anything because he'd spun it round and yeah. made it look. I was exposing sexism. Yeah, yeah, I was exposing yeah. this and exposing that, and it was a beautiful thing to see because she kind of just had to had been furious and waiting for him to get over. And by the time he got there, without him even being aware of her existence, really, because it was a big, you know, a huge, a huge tent. Just that was like, all right, oh, I see you've actually made the point. I was trying to get angry. It's, at you it's at. on the ball, and I, I think that that's to me is the purpose <laughs> of art. Art yeah. has to reflect and confront society yeah. with the shit we we don't really talk about yeah. that we gloss over like like even the surrealists um like salvador dali and the boys when they started off in the mid uh, they started off around 1919 yeah and the kind of the ethos behind surrealism is it started with dada Mar- marcel duchamp he put yeah. a toilet in a gallery 
and said, that's art. It's a toilet. It's in a gallery. That's art. Everyone went mental. They went yeah. apeshit. You yeah. can't put a toilet in a gallery. Yeah. The thinking behind Dada and later with surrealism was that at that time, the uh, ni- 1915 to 1920 something, World War One had happened. The world had never, ever seen murder on an industrial scale before. Yeah. Before that, you had wars and several hundred thousand people were killed and it was disgusting and it was cannon fire and it was swords. Mm. World War One was machine guns. That was millions of people being wiped away yeah. by the second and the world had been confronted with this for the first time ever. And it's... And at, at, at greater distance with greater discrepancies in things like technology plane, rather plane, than anything like else. I always remember hearing the Facelessness of, of yeah, the victims. I always remember hearing that initially crossbows were hugely frowned upon because they weren't seen as as, as fair as fair war as yeah. fair game because it's like well there's no skill there yeah. at least in a sword fight in a bow and arrow yeah. fight whatever there's skill you have to outskill that person whereas a crossbow bang bang you turn that into a machine gun or a plane it's a different story and there's yeah and with World War One, you had that old school mentality of war is only war when it's on, a, on, on ground and you're charging at each other. Yeah, yeah. So you had young men charging towards machine guns because this was the culture of war. Mm. The surrealist movement uh, recognised the, the horror and absurdity and anxiety of this reality as so insane that the only possible response from art is to put a toilet in a gallery. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. My reality is young men running towards machine guns yeah, because yeah. they're being told to with yeah. no critical analysis, only emotion. I have to put a toilet in the gallery. <laughs> yeah. What else can I do? I love it. That's it's it. Perfect. And that's the beauty of art. It's, yeah. and th- but then society gets more pissed off about a toilet in a gallery than, than it does about millions of young men marching towards a machine gun. So what do you think about the, the, the ever-growing sensitivity in many ways of society and it's really highlighted in um, online petitions these days yeah an online petition to get this person sacked because they've said this or yeah. so on and so forth i'm a big believer in there's a lot of people that say a lot of shit that i don't agree with and yeah. i think it's stupid but they they have as much right to say it as i have to get mm-hmm. offended by it and i think it's i saw a Stephen fry once just saying oh, that, Fry's a good that, one for that, that, yeah. that that you're 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 so you're well in your right to be offended, and yeah. I'm well in my right to offend you. Like, and th- being offended does not make you right. Yeah, and ex- exactly, it's become a thing now. It's like, well, I find that offensive, therefore it shouldn't exist. It's like, who gives a fuck? No, you can find that offensive. That's you, it's you go ahead and find that offensive. I mean, my my kind of unless it's inciting some kind of violence or yeah. or, or hatred in, in in those ways, unless it's Again, because I completely get that. I completely get yeah. the hate preachers and people th- and things like that. That's fine. But if it's someone like, um, can't even think of her name. Who's that Katie woman? That everyone- Katie Hopkins. <laughs> Katie Hopkins. I think she's a wonderful marketer because yeah. the fact is she does. It's why the Daily Mail are so huge because they know. Well, she's just Frankie Boyd without a brain. Yeah, yeah. And, and what they do, they do the X Factor thing of they win by bringing both sides to the same table not realizing they're there eating yeah. the same meal the fact is the thing I, l- I adore about x factor as a business is they will <laughs> put it on and everyone who loves it will w- w- watch it and they'll tweet about it and yeah. social media go crazy and everyone who hates it will w- watch it and they'll tweet about it and social media yeah, go crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. and they won't realize that 
the the viewing figures they're getting that it doesn't say well your viewing figures are good but 50 percent didn't enjoy it and yeah, yeah, they just yeah, say yeah. who was watching it and how how active matter, yeah. it was online and it's similar with katie hopkins and the daily mail the daily mail is now the biggest news website in the world officially yeah from hits and the but fact it's 50 percent are people going i hate this i was gonna say i bet it's more than 50 percent now yeah. i bet it's so much people on of 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 a left leaning posting going look at this disgraceful shit but th- and they're is, advertising um, numbers are going through the fucking roof that's the the viral culture now that's viral culture i mean even you know uh what what seems to get people very what you were talking about there about um the left you know wanting to silence people yeah like i mean huffington post and and left-leaning uh websites like that will will post deliberately inflammatory stuff that uh, extreme leftists will agree with yeah. And then most other people will disagree with, but it doesn't matter because a conversation is occurring. Yeah. Kanye West, two weeks before his album, tweeted, Bill Cosby is innocent. Yeah. He did that because he had an album coming out. Yeah. Kanye understands. It doesn't matter. It's people are going to talk. I'm, Last week, I'm, I'm he glad put, you've said this. It's such a simple thing with Kanye because a, a mate of mine did a post about... If you believe that he'd post it when there was no album coming out. Exactly. If, if there's an album... Again, you can l- look through his career. If there's an album coming out there's some kind of online breakdown. If yeah. there's a tour, there's some kind of on-stage breakdown. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. And every time, it means literally everyone is talking about Kanye. And, and it doesn't that. matter it's, what about. No, and it's, it's trending. It means his album is getting talked yeah. about everywhere or his tour is getting talked about everywhere. Because people are going to the tour for just to see if he, he's as crazy as it seems. People are buying the album to break it apart and lambast yeah. it and things like yeah, that. It's yeah. like, it's wonderful, wonderful marketing. I and don't think Kanye is this broken, crazy person. No, nah, he's, he's too successful. He's, he's clever and he's, he's got it. Yeah. It's, 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 he's too successful. I mean, even the thing is, if, if you post on your own Facebook page, Kanye West is a stupid bastard, I disagree with him. Yeah. The fact that you've mentioned his name means that a link to his article or his, his album will appear in your feed next week. Yeah, yeah. That's how the algorithm works. Yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. whether it's good or bad. It, it, that, that's viral culture. And, you know, that's what Kanye is feeding off. Like... The other day... It's he, like Candyman. It's, it's like very, saying Candyman three times. Exactly, That's what Kanye it's, it's, does. It's you, Beetlejuice. You say his name Man. out loud and, and it gives he him access appear. to your, to, to, to your week, world, your digital or, world. The other day, <laughs> did you see that he posted a screenshot? Uh, so he was listening to... I can't remember the artist he was listening to, but he, saw, he decided to post a screenshot of his laptop listening to this artist. Right. And in an unopened tab, he was on Pirate Bay. Right. Now, are you telling me that he didn't know what he was doing? Yeah. Dead Mouse immediately responds, yeah. going, Kanye West, the bastard, is l- l- using Pirate Bay. Yeah. And Kanye's album has a- been affected massively by Pirate Bay because not a lot of people want to go on Tidal. Yeah. But Dead Mouse and Kanye both have shares in Tidal. Yeah. So they had an agreement. I'm going to post something with Pirate Bay on it. You're going to respond, Dead Mouse. And yeah. now everyone's going to talk about us. Yeah, and it's going to become Everyone this huge wins. Thing. It doesn't matter anymore whether you're good or bad. It goes back to the Oscar Wilde quote. Um, I can't, I'll paraphrase him because I can't think of the actual quote, but it's like, it doesn't matter what... The problem is when they're not talking about you. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if they are talking about yeah. you, even yeah. if they want your head. Yeah. That's yeah. a terrible paraphrase of Oscar no, Wilde. It's, 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 it's completely true, though. Um, so you keep... Obviously, there's a lot of, 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 of mystique behind you guys, um, yeah. of, of, of life behind the, the the plastic bag. How much of that do you feel you have to give away 
to do what you do. I, I should explain this a bit more. I was just thinking, if people didn't know that you were actually from Limerick and you grew up in Limerick, do you think you would have... I mean, do you think you had to make it clear, look, we're not from somewhere else doing a parody and yeah, sending yeah, up yeah. you guys and taking the piss or being offensive. We're doing a pastiche of our of our of ourselves, of our own culture, of our yeah. own surroundings. So do you think there's an element of that that you kind of had to be speaking of your own and, and, and in, working in the, in of the your early own. days I mean in the early we, we've we're not as limerick as we used to be now yeah we were very limerick back in the days yeah. but then we were limerick when we had a limerick audience then we started to get people in Dublin liking us yeah then all of a sudden it was London then it was New York so now like in London we're just seen as 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 Irish lads who look like the IRA yeah that's yeah, how yeah, London yeah, people yeah. perceive us and that wasn't something we intended but the, the, when when English people come to our gigs, and especially we've got a song called Up the Ra, yeah, about the IRA, yeah, which is the whole kind of premise of that song is that when we were growing up, the the IRA back home, a lot of young lads who can't identify with things will be pro IRA, but they don't really understand what it's about. They don't yeah. they don't know the politics. Yeah. It's just the IRA are Irish lads with guns and balaclavas, and people are afraid of them. And if you're a long, young lad, you will identify with this. Yeah. And what we found is that the mythology of the IRA was getting somehow mixed up with the mythology of Tupac and uh, Biggie. Right, yeah, yeah. In a very yeah. weird way, yeah. because they both have the same kind of, I'm a young lad, look at these scary, cool men yeah. who I can Isn't inspire that exciting? to. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- like that's what the, our song Up the Ra was about. It's, it's about lads who would write Up the Ra on the wall and not know what it means. They didn't yeah. know their history. They didn't know what, what it was about and how big yeah. a statement that is. And if they went to the north of Ireland and said it, somebody would really question, why are you writing yeah. IRA on that wall? What does it mean? But when we went to London and started doing gigs, the English people, all they saw was IRA, 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 mm. because they see the plastic bag as a balaclava. Yeah. Um, but it works as a kind of a soothing relationship because we make light of stuff like that. Yeah. There's a tension where the English people in the audience... You know the IRA bombed London. Yeah. So you know, I, I, if I was an English person, I wouldn't be a fan of that. Yeah. But it's in the past, and there's a soothing relationship that happens on stage where it's a little bit like Asher. It's grand now, lads. There's a different enemy. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We were yeah. nice. We rang ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's, I've I've always found that kind of thing just just bizarre. The 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 anger or 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 the alignment with anger without knowledge of of where the anger comes from i've i've been a, a millwall fan since i was a kid I be, yeah I began on the millwall, millwall brick yeah the, wrapping a newspaper it, around your hand and hitting ex- the man in the face exactly exactly yeah. you fold it enough times um and there's it, it was crazy i remember as a kid going to see a millwall west ham numerous times yeah and it was lively there was there was mm-hmm. banner but there wasn't riots there wasn't this trouble then we were in different leagues for several years and Football Factory and a few other films came out. The next time we came together, there were riots in the streets. Yeah. There was pitch invasions, and you realise it's like this is. Yes, there was genuine tension in the in the seventies, but by the time I was going in the late eighties, early nineties, all through the nineties, in fact, there wasn't any more, or it wasn't this big thing that yeah. it once was. Yet in that gap, a load of young kids have seen that. You hate West Ham if you're Millwall. You hate yeah, Millwall yeah, if yeah. you're West Ham. N- not knowing it comes from the Dockers' strike y- no years context. ago and the, yeah. the 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 breaking of the of 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 the of the protest line and all this kind of thing. Not knowing any of that, just knowing I just hate them. 
despite the fact that you work with them, you're yeah, friends with them yeah. every other day of the year, this b- bizarre blindness to just go, well, I'm meant to, so I will. The, it's a what what, thing, what it always points to is that a, a group of young lads, if they feel that they don't have opportunities in their lives, if they feel disadvantaged and their self-esteem is low collectively, they will try and raise that self-esteem by finding something that is stronger and usually has a scapegoat or blame. Yeah. So yeah. in Ireland, the IRA became something to identify yeah. with and the enemy became the British. Yeah. If those same Irish lads had grown up in London, yeah. they would join the EDL yeah. and the enemy would become the Pakistani man. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, completely. It, it's, it's, it, over in America at the moment... The reason Donald Trump has such massive support is because global neoliberalism has reduced the power of the American working class and middle class, the white working uh, working class and middle class in America so much that now Nazi-era logic is working. And Nazi-era logic is basically, we were once great, we're not great anymore, I can make you great. And it's those people over there that have made you bad. When what Trump should be saying is that White working class America. The reason that you are at the bottom yeah. is because of people like me. Yeah, because of my friends in business. It's not the black man working in the petrol station or the Muslim. I mean, one of the things I found most amusing about this bizarre Trump rise is the um, is the typical British kind of almost laughing at Apathy. the idea that yeah. we've given that, that they're giving a seat of power to a big rich guy with crazy blonde hair because he was entertaining on a few TV shows and was quite funny. He's using the logic of reality TV to become president. But then we look over at that and laugh at that as we sit in London under Mayor Boris Johnson. Johnson. And the irony just does not even pass our vision. As we sit again, it's the exact same thing. It was a guy who was very funny on Have I Got News For You and was funny in bumbling things. And we went, oh, he'd be good. And ignored the fact that he's a generational... Generation after generation, all you need to know and all this kind of thing. about Johnson. Johnson was in the Buddington Club. Yeah, and for people who don't know what the Buddington Club was, it's a group of very privileged young men from Eton, Oxford, Cambridge. All those carry on, and Cameron was in the Buddington Club as well, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. They would go to a restaurant. They would uh, uh, get a lot of food, get pissed, yeah. destroy the restaurant, yeah. kick the tables down, rip curtains off the walls. Sign a giant check and leave. Yeah. That's the Buddington Club. Yeah. That's the tradition. Having that power to just Cameron, destroy it and sign it off. And and that's what they're, what they're doing, doing now. Right it's now. Absolute yeah. privilege. But it's just I just I love it's our horrible. I love our audacity to laugh at America and their ignorance yeah. for, for falling for this. But it's like you do you realize the country that we're living but even in at the Cameron moment. Cameron and, and, and the, the pig the, having sex with that pig. Yeah. I believe that happened. Do you yeah. believe that happened? I believe that happened, yeah. And it's completely in the realms of, of, it of reality is. in that and kind of situation. The logic that I use to defend why that happened is I look at David Cameron once put his dick in a dead pig's mouth. It's the same logic that uh, biker gangs use. Biker gangs, um, they, they earn their patches yeah. through doing terrible acts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it came from the the American biker gangs and it moved into Europe. But basically, like uh, you earn your brown wings on your back. That's having anal sex with a girl. Right. But there's other wings you earn yeah. from doing terrible, violent things to people. Yeah. There's there's wings you earn in in, in a, a biker gang for having sex with a corpse. They did this 
Number one, so that everybody has performed an illegal activity in front of another. So therefore yeah. everyone so is protected. Locked in Everyone's in locked yeah. in. And as well as that, it keeps police out. So anybody who has any shred of ethics or dignity cannot rise high enough within the biker gang because yeah. they've had sex with a corpse or they've beaten a man to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Buddington Club society, if you put your dick in a pig's mouth in front of enough people around you and they all put their dick in a pig's mouth or do something similar, yeah. everybody has dirt on everyone else when you're nice and young because you know you're going to be in the cabinet in the future. How do you whistleblow? When you fuck the pig's mouth. Yeah, yeah. You do not. Yeah. That is the same Good. psychology. That's I, I personally think, I don't have evidence, but I think that's how it, it, it works. It makes sense. It, it locks everyone in. Let's, let's get back to the bandits. Um, another thing that struck me, um, again, it's a thing. You, you, you touched upon the fact that you're, 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 you're performance artists as well as, as yeah. comedians in this situation. But one of the things that struck me, again, I saw... The comedy in the lyrics, the 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 craftsmanship in the jokes, in the gags, in the points being made, and it wasn't until I was watching you guys live that it hit me that the musicianship is really good, the yeah. the singing is genuinely good, the melodies, every, everything is is genuinely good. So, were you in bands and into music growing up? Was music a big part of your music life, and then my, it came it, together with comedy, or, or which came first? I guess music's my fucking life. I mean. Yeah. If, everything from Bob Dylan to Bowie to KRS-One, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, I, I started off with Fruity Loops when I was about 15. Yeah. Gradually started making beats, then I learned how to play guitar, learned how to play piano, learned how to play bass, and just became completely absorbed in music production. Yeah. So it just happened that I had developed this talent. Yeah. Mr. Chrome, the other bandit, yeah. his talent is in... Uh, special effects and his hands and making things so yeah. I don't know if you've seen a song uh, we have called Fellas yep yeah 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 that Gabriel Byrne puppet yeah we made a, f- a full scale puppet of Gabriel <laughs> Byrne it's mechanically operated That's with um, remote controls yeah Mr. Chrome made that yeah he, and not, not only that he managed to somehow get his hands on an actual cast of Gabriel Byrne's head it's <laughs> quite, it's through, quite con- yeah. through connections he had and friends he had who had worked on some film or something and had a, a copy of his head and we shrunk it down so we both between us have these different skills I've got the music he's got the visual we, yeah. we both come together on the lyrics yeah. and what, what uh, to, to bring it back to where we position ourselves as artists is that w- we the Tate Gallery and mm. stuff like that that's, that's what's called art today but yeah. I don't uh, like there was a time when Monet would would do a painting and it would cause a riot. Yeah. Art doesn't cause riots anymore. No, it certainly doesn't. Art in the Tate, it's nice to look at if you're part of a privileged, educated club. Yeah. But what we call art today does not affect and touch the lives of ordinary people anymore. Mm-hmm. So our whole thing is that what does affect people's lives is entertainment yeah. and the internet. So let's bring the ethos and thinking behind art and confront people with it through fucking entertainment, through nice, yeah. through, through songs, through melody, through all of this. And you're dancing and you're entertained, but you might walk away thinking about something existential. And that's and it, the purpose of art. And it's kind of great as well because it, 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 it can never be, or it feels like it can, it can never be grabbed 
and stolen by the the galleries and, yeah. the, and the museums because the fact is i remember growing up and i was i, was, I got I was, I was into stenciling early on like when it was yeah, this yeah, big yeah. Room and when banksy was first getting that's, a, that's a, a beautiful example of taking art out of the galleries and there was yeah there was an amazing thing there where it was just taking it on the street and banksy and numerous others were making political statements yeah. and the thing i loved about stenciling i started doing it in east london a bit and then me and two mates um, who went under the name of Overview and 3303, we started to do it anywhere other than, than London. Because yeah. our thinking was, man, there's loads of it there. London's and everyone knows it, yeah. And I remember doing some in, in Hornchurch, which isn't that far from London. It's out I don't know what Hornchurch is, but I want to go there it's because not, of the name. It's not far. It's a good name. Um, and I remember doing some around there and we'd done a summer night. And then I was visiting a mate there a few days later and I was waiting for him and as people were coming out of the train station they're rushing along and then a few were stopping to stand there and, and look because stenciling wasn't big then at that point there was some tagging there was proper like big words and huge huge yeah. graffiti but there wasn't those realistic stencils that wow that that's kind of looks like a photo or it looks like like you can see who that is you can yeah. see the person that's meant to be and people were stopping and staring and that was exciting because it was in a it was in a situation where they weren't expecting it exactly whereas but they again, may in, as well in, in they, they could london, be people who don't care about art yeah exactly but that's it east london soon became an art gallery in itself mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. again that's still great there's a, a lot of amazing street art there and then soon enough as said you've got Banksy exhibitions or, or yeah, his theme yeah, park yeah. and things like that. And again, I'm not hating on it. There's some credibility there. There's yeah. some beauty there. But it's something that started off as taking it out of the, the galleries and then it kind of became its own gallery yeah. rather than spreading out and yeah. continuing to do that. If it's still like, I mean, Tracy Emin's bed. Yeah. I love that. She did it inside in the gallery, but it made the front page of the sun. Mm. It outraged the person on the street. Whether you liked it or you didn't like it, it affected the lives of regular people. Yeah. That's good art. But an impact. The art galleries have turned into churches. A person will walk into an art gallery, you go into the Tate, and it's a big white space, and most people in there are quite silent. Yeah. And I believe the reason they're silent is that it's it's a very middle-class educated thing. They're They're terrified that the person beside them will find out that they don't understand what that art on the yeah. wall is about. Because that is the big crime I, within art. I don't get it. I do it every now and then. I go to, I've been to a few exhibitions a, a recently with, with my older brother. Who's, he, he picks some really great stuff. He's, yeah. he's very knowledgeable. He really picks some great stuff. And I'll walk around them in silence and then be excited to get out and, get out and say to him in private, I thought that was shit. I thought that was amazing. But I, I wouldn't want to say it in there. The I wouldn't want to say it in there in case anyone else because is that is hearing sacrilege our offensive. In because, terms yeah, of the religion of art, it seems as if you don't like, understand it. So I don't care if I understood it or not. I didn't enjoy it. Is what I'm saying. I it's like it taking a communion wafer and spitting it out on the yeah. priest's hand. Yeah, it's yeah. sacrilege within that culture. So the other thing about a high art like that as well is it's the reason things are so expensive within art. The reason things are worth millions in art is not because they're brilliant, but very very rich people. And it, it, the, the, when art started to become a, a very expensive, it happened ar- around the time of the, the Industrial Revolution, again, to bring it back then. Yeah. Why the Industrial Revolution is so important to humanity is that before the Industrial Revolution, wealth tended to be handed down from generations. If, yeah. you, if your parents were wealthy, you were born wealthy. The Industrial Revolution allowed the emergence of what we now call the middle class. Mm-hmm. People who had been on the working class and then through hard work started to own factories. Yeah. So this new wealth came about. The people who were formerly at the top, they 
had the same amount of wealth as the people who owned factories, but the people who owned factories were not educated. Yeah. So if everybody can buy the Ferrari, we'll say as an example, yeah. how, the only thing you can't buy is taste, education and culture. Yeah. And that's why art is expensive. Yeah. Because if 10 lads around you have got Ferraris and Bugattis, you can go, I've got a Picasso. And not only do I have a Picasso, I understand why it's good. Yeah. That's why art's expensive. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking harsh shit. It is the egotistical masturbation of very, very rich people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like it. I like it. So so what? where do you see from a, a performance art side of things because i think although it is all, all all one creature i think there is different angles and places there is and, you look and at it. i'm sure there's no times problem. that you do gigs and your aim is to do a fucking good absolutely gig to entertain and form and again from i'm having seen you guys it's that you know you're not there you're not overly pandering to, to the crowd but you're also not there to be f- Fuck you! Look at how great no. we are. It's 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 an entertaining we show. Have, it's an entertaining um, night. Different levels and and w- like pe- people will often say to us, "You call yourselves artists, but you have no problem doing a comedy gig." Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. Um, you, you got to make a living. So sometimes I'm doing a gig with Jedward. Yeah, in wow. Edinburgh in a couple of weeks. Do you know what I mean? Amazing. Because I'm getting paid for doing a gig with Jedward and I have to make a living and I have no problem with that. And I'm going to do that gig with Jedward and it won't be particularly subversive. I'll play all the hits and the audience will get nice and drunk and it'll be a bit of crack. Yeah. And that's fine. So I had, I had, I had Stephen Graham on the podcast last week and he was talking about how, um, as an actor, he's like, you don't only do the amazing gigs. He's like, if I'm you not can't. working, then what comes in? He's like, because again, he's like, I come from a working class background and if I'm a decorator, I don't turn up a house and go, nah, this place is shit. I ain't decorating this. You've got to make you, a you're living. You're paid to paint the fucking wall. You paint yeah. the fucking wall. And, he's, and his, his argument was, I'm paid to act. So, yeah. you know, within reason, when the gig comes in and when I'm free, I go and I fucking act and I make the best of it and I try and... That's what you If do. I don't rate it, I try and bring it up. It's why he's so known for a lot of improvisation and stuff like that. It's like that's it it's 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 my job it's not a case of well and, and again i can see both sides of it there's certain actors who you look at their back catalog and go wow man you've yeah you've been so picky and like I respect tom, tom waits tom yeah. waits has never gone mainstream tom waits yeah. has always done his thing yeah but yeah. there's a load of other tom waits that we've never heard about who didn't make a living yeah yeah and exactly. like our mo- our biggest gig at the moment is we've a, a series on itv yeah. called the almost impossible game show which is incredibly mainstream yeah um, we we try and subvert it as much as we can, but it's straight up entertainment. Yeah. You might get the odd bit of musing on existentialism or something clever that you don't normally see on ITV yeah, yeah, too, yeah. but it's straight entertainment. It pays the bills and that allows us then to have freedom on the internet, which is the real gallery. Yeah. On the internet, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And to have crack there and to present our gas contism in that way. But we, we, we make no apologies about the fact that there is not, uh, not even getting rich you you can't make a living out of completely having integrity all the time. Yeah. So you have to pick your battles and you have to choose some gigs that don't have a hell of a lot of integrity, but they're going to pay your rent and that's I okay. S- I swear most of the people that you will hear going on about the artistic nature and the integrity, yeah. tend, and this sounds like I'm being prejudiced or racist, don't tend to come from working class backgrounds. They don't tend to, to come from having to to earn your living and, and having to work hard for it. You tend to be to get them from your more m- middle-class background or comfortable backgrounds who are saying, you know, oh, I'd never do an advert. Well, it's, integrity. it's like it's In balance. England in particular. I'd, I'd do a lot of adverts. 
th- there are a lot of adverts I wouldn't do. Yeah. But still, if it's an advert for something that I'm into or I use or even I'm not against and it doesn't affect me in a negative way, and they're going to pay me. I, I, I can't remember if I've, I've, I've told this before, but really early on... Oh, you told this story on another see, podcast. With, I love that. With Virgin. Yeah, go on, go for it, go for it. So, so, yeah, it was just simple. As, as, as we'd had one song out. We'd had Thou Shall Always Kill Out. Yeah. And Virgin approached me to do an advert for their, their yeah. new TV package. And I said, no. I said, I'm not, I'm not ruining my career in that way. I'm artistic, blah, blah. And then they came back and said, the budget... F- for, for you, we were thinking around 150 grand. Yeah. And I lived in my bedroom at my mum's house in Essex that we'd yeah. lived in our whole lives. And it was like, all of a sudden, I realised, right, that's all bullshit. I've got a price. Instantly yeah. then, I was like, right, so they'd said they're basing the advert on Thou Shout and on Gil Scott Heron and stuff that I'm into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact is, I'm a massive TV nerd. So advertising TV, yeah. it's like, I'm not against this. And it ended up, I buckled and, and then they went for someone else. But still, it was a really important... A lesson for me rather than feeling oh man they made me throw away my morals and yeah then didn't use me it made me go right no that's fucking fine man the fact is if i can get to move out or or, or pay my mum some rent or help her out in, in, in some way then that's more important than me going well yeah 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 artistically yeah. blah 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 yeah. and there's still stuff over the years i've turned down in that manner there's the same with ourselves like i mean the, the only thing we, we, we turned down a massive massive advertising gig once for a life-changing amount of money and the reason we turned it down is that the company was a gambling company. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't sit well with us. Yeah, that's right. And it was a horrible sense. decision, but it's just... Uh, gambling can be fine, but it's also a horrible addiction. Yeah. Wasn't into it. Yeah. Do you know? But as well as that, the idea they had was... Um, they wanted to... Like, like what uh, Virgin wanted to do with yeah. Thou Shall Not Kill, they wanted to do the same with uh, our song Horse Outside, yeah. which would have been our, our big song. But... Uh, we just walked away from it, you know, because yeah. because of the gambling thing. But if it was another company, we'd have yeah. gone for it. Um, and that's it. And and and, and, that, and that's what I like. In no way am I saying all offers should be accepted and come in. I've turned down tons of advertising stuff because yeah. it's just, just not been right. But, but equally, if the right things came along, I wouldn't think twice about it. Exactly. Um, you've talked a bit about the online um, world being the realm that you can really play and do yeah, your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's kind of talk about that because Horse Outside was the one that just blew up. And yeah, went yeah, yeah. Crazy in 2010, 11, 2010, yeah. In, in, in 2010, I remember the excitement. I've got um, a few close friends who are from Ireland and visit so regularly and are so proudly Irish. And I remember just hearing the excitement from them that it was pushing to be Christmas number one. It, it took the X Factor to its knees, you know. Yeah, and and that's the one bit that I'm proud of because. This was a song that was produced, recorded, and made entirely in a bedroom in Limerick, and it yeah. took the X Factor to its knees in Ireland. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'll take that to my grave. I'm very proud of that. It had over over half a million views in 72 hours. Yeah. I think was the first one, and just went absolutely. It nuts. went insane. It was such a, a simple and entertaining. Concept. However, what it, it made our our career very it made it quite unhappy for us because right. it attracted an audience who. First of all, they didn't fully understand what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, the shows that we were doing, the gigs we were doing, were no longer enjoyable because yeah. you had people who were just coming along for that one song. They were getting too drunk. And what happened is that you try and do a, a gag on stage or make a reference to something that they, they don't understand. Yeah. And then you can't communicate with your audience anymore. Yeah. And then you start to notice, if I say the word fanny or say the word boobs... Jesus, they really laugh at that. Yeah. So for about two years, we were fanny and boobs. It's tough. Well, me and Dan did, um, I think we were like 
third headline at a festival. We'd never had such a big slot on a main stage. And when we got there, it was um, a Christian festival. Oh, for fuck's And the band on before us, or not before us, the band on as we arrived were doing a ska reggae version of This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. And we're like... This is weird, but again, we're like, right, I'm not really. Did you know it was a Christian festival? No, hadn't really twigged that, hadn't really got that. Um, in Sorry, the, man, I'm just going to refill my vape. You keep talking. Do it, go ahead. Yeah, hadn't really understood that kind of s- side of it. And then, but again, we thought, right, well, I don't want to be prejudiced or out of order to anything. We're still going to do our thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's the one time that when we started Letter from God to Man, the cheers that we got felt really uncomfortable. In that they same were the way, wrong cheers. That's it, it felt wrong. It was like, Right, no, you're, you're not, not listening. You're not getting this the way I mean it. Yeah. And it was so weird to do because I was hearing these words coming out of my mouth and going, damn, of course they're going to cheer that. Yeah. Despite it not being in the right context or the right tone. And it was, again, I, th- I still saw it as a positive thing. And it's I felt, good because they're taking something from it. But the whole reason, if, if you're a creative it's the person. the first time I felt uncomfortable doing one of my own songs. If genuinely. you're a, a creative person, the only buzz you get is that, like for me, the, the the practice of creativity is that like I grew up and the things that I used to love was uh, Chris Morris Brass Eye yeah. used to actually bring a tear to my eye yeah. it was so genius yeah, um, an Irish day novelist day as well. day to day is incredible yeah, uh, yeah. an Irish novelist called Flann O'Brien James Joyce they used to my life had purpose and feeling and meaning when I was reading those words it made me feel greater than sex there was no yeah. feeling greater than when, when something hits with you creatively and you're a creative person so when I myself am trying to create anything mm. all I'm tr- it's, it's all I'm doing is I'm chasing that dragon Yeah. if I come up with any idea and I'm not saying it's as good as their ideas mm. if the idea that I come up with makes me feel the way that I felt when I first read Fran O'Brien or yeah. when I first heard Chris Morris yeah. then that's a goer for me Yeah. but if I'm doing gags that I myself would not laugh at or that the other uh, Mr. Chrome wouldn't laugh at mm. show us the fucking point yeah but I think the people who are lucky in the entertainment business um, like I've spoken to a lot of uh, very mainstream bands who'd get a lot of heavy radio play yeah and the people that they grew up listening to were Garrett Brooks and Michael Bolton mm. and if that's your locus of evaluation for music if what you love is what other people would consider to be shit. Yeah. You're fucking laughing. It's what I love You're about... I, I, I always I will always defend a Radio 1 DJ called Greg James. Because um, I remember I did a thing with him years ago and it was a, a, a late-night review show on Radio 1. And it was me, I think I think one of the creators of Rock Sound magazine, I think it was, and Greg James, or Nihal's show. And we had to review songs and it was getting awkward because a lot of the songs were just... The rocks... I've, one song in particular was that I'm in Miami Girl song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'd given it, I'd worried I'd been too harsh. I'd given it, I think, three out of 10 or four yeah. out of 10. The guy from, from Rock Sound had given it 0.4 out of 10. Had really <laughs> gone Hammered in. It, yeah. And then it got to Greg James. He went, This is awkward. Um, on my show, it's my record of the week, and I've given it nine out of 10. And the fact is, hearing to him and talk to him, he, he loves that. He's Art into it. Subjective. And I was like, I fucking, I can't question that at all now. It's like he's genuinely so into it. And it's just, just because it's not my taste, Yeah, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. So anyone I've heard kind of go, oh, just on this shit show, playing all this shit music. He's like, no, no, playing music that you're not into. That dude is playing it. And yeah. he genuinely, he's not fake. If he's uh, when not he's faking on there. it, it's real He's for not him. faking it when he's saying, this is the biggest track, this is amazing. 
Yeah, meaning is often play. created in, in, in by the observer, not necessarily the yeah. artist. You know, I mean that, that's yeah. one of the core tenets of, of postmodernism is that meaning that the author is dead. Yeah. It's it's the reader that creates the meaning. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But like more. you know, in in I'm not a fan of Coldplay. Yeah. So in my reality as Blind Boy, in how I experience the world, Coldplay are a bad band. Yeah. But in somebody else's world, in their personal reality, They're Coldplay the are brilliant. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can I be right and they be wrong? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. We both, we all live our individual realities. So on on the kind of the pulling of of a, of a crowd that maybe wasn't the intended crowd. It's it's bizarre. On on the way to, to Soho Theatre, I walked past um, Al Murray. Yeah. And he's he's one that that notoriously had that. He kind of he made this pub landlord yeah, character yeah, where yeah. he's sending big up the kind of the meathead British uh, a glass of wine f- for the ladies kind of thing. And it was all a send-up and a parody and then ends up doing these tours where it is a lot of... Yeah. You know, he's got a varied crowd, audience. but there will be a lot of EDL types, as you yeah. mentioned earlier, and that kind of thing. And it's kind of a crippling and heartbreaking thing. So how did you kind of cope with that and what was the development? Did, what we did, did you feel that when the buzz wore off from horse outside, that the audience kind of we, we didn't, found its feet and got the we right didn't place. we didn't let it. Um, it got to about 2011, so we were touring the the horse outside audience for about a year, and we couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So what we did is that we said, right, fuck that. We moved to the UK. Yeah. Started doing gigs in Soho Theatre. Yeah. Playing to a completely new audience who didn't know us, and we released the song Spastic Hawk. Yeah deliberately to lose fans yeah. because Spastic Hawk is a very difficult piece of work yeah. and to understand it, it requires you to be kind of conversant in art and music. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a rejection of traditional music and traditional themes. It's, 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 it's one that 100% the video plays a, a key part yeah. in it and, and, and kind of leads you along as, as well in the song. So it is a, a, a multimedia kind of... It's a, it's a multi, it's, yeah, it's not just the, 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 the song. The song works by itself, but with it, the video, yeah. um, that's another thing we started doing as well. It was like, we consider our, our songs and videos to be one piece. Yeah. Um, especially the more recent work, like Dad's Best Friend. It's, yeah. it's, it's one piece of work yeah. and they can't really be separated. But when we released Spastic Hawk, massive, massive amounts of people just said, this is terrible, this is shit, how dare you use the word spastic? Mm. And I was quite happy because I was going, we are not for you. Yeah. What the, the time, our 15 minutes is over, you've had your horse outside, now please let us be and you have that moment and let us go, carry on. Yeah. So we focused on England, we focused on, on doing gigs up and down over here and we rebuilt our career completely from a, a totally different angle. Yeah. And... It, it led us to where we are now and we're quite happy now. We're no longer very famous. We're no longer of much notoriety, but we're very happy with what we do and we have a small yeah. audience of people who also understand what we do. And it's massively re- rewarding because now yeah. I do a gig and it's a communication between us on stage and the audience. Yeah. And sure, that's beautiful. Like, it's gorgeous. I can give yeah. a fuck if we even got paid for that. It's lovely. Yeah. Do, do you think there's any any... A, a, a limitation on um I, I mean i guess part of it is the initial charm and appeal and and will help hugely but on on having a strong accent and i yeah. use a limmy as an example here i think oh, limmy genius, is man. genius i think oh. the limmy show both series and, and series one's on netflix now actually and i guess it is an acquired taste but i think it's amazing but i recommend you, you check it out but he, he really um like the the, the dd sketches yeah I look at them and I don't know whether I'm looking at comedy or, or art on the level of Samuel Beckett. It yeah. is absurdism. Yeah. It's fucking genius. Yeah, I love it. And it, it was that thing, I remember f- finding 
a Limmy on YouTube and then buying series one and series two and being like, this is BBC. Yeah. This should be as big as like the Fast Show and stuff like that. It I was should, only talking should, about it with TV heads these, today. Even these underground audience it should have, but it was only ever aired in BBC Scotland. It's absurd. Because no one that opinion that his, his accent is very strong. And I kind of look at it and think, well, I've got Scottish family, I guess. Maybe I'm finding it that bit yeah. easier. But regardless, should all... I mean, obviously, you'd say not all are, but should all comedy be restricted to the ease of consumption and not having to do any work? Like, the the beautiful thing of people like Stuart Lee, who, as we sit here tonight, is fourth series of Comedy yeah, Vehicle Starts yeah, Tonight. Yeah. The beauty of stuff like that is the BBC have gone, right, people who watch this, they might have to do a little bit of work. And he jokes about it in a lot of his sets, saying, yeah. like, this is the kind of gig that you might have to up your game a bit as an audience yeah, member. You might have to. You might have, saying that again. That's beautiful. I I love that. And I don't know. It felt like that with a Limmy. And when I was thinking about this this podcast today, I was wondering that on 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 your side. And having spoken to you, I can see that the goal has never been that huge mass celebrity status. But still, do you see there's some kind of restriction there that that puts a roof what? on what you do? It hasn't actually, really, because like like I said, we we've. Uh... Our, our ITV2 show, which was, uh, I don't know why they even commissioned us. I was yeah. like, who's trying to lose their job at ITV yeah. is what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Scottish accent, it seems to inspire in, in, in the rest of Britain almost a contempt. It's true, actually. I was going to say, it's weird. I don't know why. Because the Irish accent is such a weird People, thing. Popularity in America and in the UK. It's that weird thing of, of there's, there's an endearing, there's, there's an, an endearment yeah, to the I, Irish accent. I don't accent. get it. I mean, like... We planted loads of bombs and stuff. Mm. You'd expect us to be associated with, with contempt, but we're yeah. not. English people love our accents. Um, and when we went and did the ITV2 thing, the Almost Impossible Game Show, our accent was so strange that it became a hook. Yeah. And they're kind of like, I've never heard this before. I've never heard a Southern Irish accent before. Yeah. And people seem to just really enjoy it, but it was a complete accident. Yeah. Do you know? And what a lot of English people uh, who are fans of us, they like deciphering our lingo and deciphering how we say things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're just like, this is, we're from Limerick, this is how we talk, this is what we do, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's it the, works, but it's, if, it's, if, if it's I was Scottish, same, I think it'd be different. It's the same, I, I don't know if it's it's a, an era where we're starting to give audiences a little bit more respect, but it's the same as the, the buzz and excitement of the wire, of like, yeah. what the fuck's a burner? A burner, I've learned what a burner is. And, I and love all, that I don't know and, that. And learning all these terms and learning all these phrases that at first... It genuinely is the first few episodes when it's the gangs t- 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 I, talking I can in the wire. There's a bit of, of where you're like, I'm not really getting this, and yeah. then you gradually start to get it. Or God forbid, you look it up, you do but a that's bit of the research, fun. it and credits the... the audience with intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And which is what made me. Um, have you been watching Vinyl on HBO recently? I haven't. Though? I've heard it's really good. Is it? Is it's, it as good it's, as... it's. It's. Some people are saying it's good, but the, the problem, ad- ad- advert-wise, it didn't tick any boxes for me i watched it and thought right that should be exciting me but it wasn't exciting in any way a good piece of television that does not belong on hbo right it belongs on showtime where breaking bad is right breaking bad is a beautiful piece of television but breaking bad is not incredibly intelligent breaking bad doesn't really ask you to research and think in the way that the wire does yeah sure sure, Um, and that's not a that's not a a criticism of breaking bad because i love it no i agree that a, a breaking bad was kind of the ultimate in kind of it's spectacle it's entertainment yeah but subverting the spectacle Mm -hmm. and and, and entertainment level it said look 
a week and choose an unusual subject matter in an un- unusual place and present it in a very palatable and very yeah. enjoyable way. And it fucking works. Because, again, I think it's brilliant, but I, I completely agree. But the you don't have didn't. to get too confused by it. You and can just watch it and have that tension that, yeah. Um, with The Wire, one of the problems The Wire faced, and it was a uniquely American program, is that it didn't get viewership because there was too many black people on screen. Right. And yeah. David Simon himself says it. It's like there's too many black people for a white audience to watch. Yeah. But HBO is, the, 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 the whole joy of HBO is that HBO is like, we don't care. We care about quality. Yeah. If you don't watch it, who gives a fuck? We're making art. But this new series of vinyl, directed by Martin Scorsese and produced by him, but I think when it came to the edit, <coughs> like there's a scene where they mention Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And when they mention Led Zeppelin, they cut to Led Zeppelin's album and some of their music. That's not HBO. No, no. HBO should mention Led Zeppelin and then ask the audience to go and fucking find out about Led Zeppelin. Yeah, if you but don't already know about Led Zeppelin, then go and find out about Go and about find Led out. Zeppelin. That's the joy. It's a puzzle. Um, David Simon said about The Wire that he said, whatever about what I've shown on screen, the real story of The Wire is what happens off screen. Mm. The audience is given the intelligence yeah. to figure out what's going on in the background. And that's what makes The Wire a serious piece of art. And I personally think it's going to be remembered the way that Dickens is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an entire... The, the character in The Wire is the city of Baltimore, not the people in it. I'm, I'm, like Dickens I'm, did with, with London at the time. I'm a big believer in that hugely. I've, I've, I've ranted for years and I used to argue with... When I worked in a record store, I had, there was a few mates who worked, they were like, yeah, no, I haven't got a TV, I don't watch TV, it's, uh, you know, it's, not, it's not intelligent. And it killed me because it's like, well, that's a stupid thing to say in my opinion. It's yeah. like you don't have to watch TV but, but but you can't say that TV's just shit because you're writing off too much. There is a lot of shit on TV. There's a there, what if there's, there's a nuclear bomb in North Korea? You got to turn on the news. And, and, and there's a lot of shit printed on paper. Yeah. I can't say books are shit because of insert the name of whichever celebrity everyone currently hates. Yeah. Autobiography here. Um, you know, I, I can't get mad at that, and I, I generally believe. For me, at least, I wasn't a big reader growing up. I become m- m- more of a reader as I've got older, but. So much of my, 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 <laughs> I'm getting a, a loss for words now, ironically, as I'm trying to say, <laughs> talking so, about how much, so much of my education <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and knowledge and, and, and excitement about characters and character development and stories has come from really well made TV series or mm-hmm. films. And the TV series has kind of taken over from the film because of the allowance to, for the slow build of characters and the slow build of storylines. And yeah, I truly believe that we are at a point where, you're going to have these TV shows that are, are as respected. Because, again, people don't shit on plays. Yeah. Plays are a, the same as a fucking film or a I know, TV yeah, series. Yeah. It's just in this in, in a different scenario and different But situation. people consider for some reason, and uh, this is going to bring me on to another point, but some people would consider a play to be of higher integrity to uh, a television series. Yeah. And there's no actual critical grounding for it. And th- this is an issue that we face... Um, because we make music that is uh, comedic, yeah. we would not get the same amount of respect that a band would get because they're presenting something in a serious fashion. Yeah, of course. 100%. But if you analyse the two pieces of work, the band that have the cool haircuts and are solemn, mm. th- their work could be of lesser quality to ours. Yeah. And it's this unique thing that exists with music. And Do you ever listen to Randy Newman? Yeah. yeah Randy yeah. Newman's a fucking genius. Yeah, of course. And what Randy Newman always says is that he wanted to elevate, he would use comedy quite a bit, but he wanted to elevate music to the short story. 
Yeah. In literature, you can use comedy in literature and still be considered to have integrity. But it's very difficult to use comedy in music and then not be written off as novelty. Yeah. And I don't know it's, why. It's, it's very odd. Tough. I think um, uh, A Flight of the Concords are one of the few in recent years who, yeah. who had that kind of, of people still respecting. Like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But again, still, it's... it's, it's, it's it's comedy music, isn't it? It's comedy bands. Still, it's still written no off in that manner. It shouldn't yeah. be written off. Like, yeah, I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? And what it takes me to is that, I don't know, there's something about music where music makes you feel... Um, the ultimate goal of good music is empathy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I first heard uh, Thou Shalt Not Kill, mm. I was ju- it was just this incredible empathy. It's like, fucking hell, this cunt who's singing here, he thinks the way I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was an empathy. It's that connection, yeah, yeah. And you used humour in it, but it wasn't comedy. Yeah. But when it's when when you're listening to music and you laugh, you go, I, I, I don't feel this empathy, I feel laughter. This this music must somehow be devalued. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the same with a book. It's weird, it's kind of, it's, it's here to entertain me rather than yeah. here for me to connect to. I mean, you'd laugh out loud at... Uh, Irvine Welsh, or you'd laugh out loud at Brett, Brett Easton Ellis, yeah. and they're considered to have integrity. But if, if Brett Easton Ellis wrote American Psycho as a short song, yeah. he would not have integrity. Yeah. Whereas our, our song, Dad's Best Friend, yeah. that's essentially American Psycho. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of people would write it off as novelty because they had a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. a, it's a weird thing that exists, and I don't know why music is sub- subjected to this. Uh, what's your feelings on 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 the fringe? And that sounds like a weird jump, but I feel what fringe? The haircut <laughs> on the Edinburgh fringe. Sorry, I, I should be more specific. But the thing the thing that strikes me is the Edinburgh fringe. Whilst it is mainly known as a comedy festival, it is a the festival most interesting that has, is often not that, the comedy that has yeah. has plays there, has one man show, has all sorts yeah. of unusual stuff. So, how do you find that? as you are kind of crossing over in so many areas, you are performing art, you are you are doing comedy shows, you are doing music. So did that make it feel like the perfect home or did it make it feel like you couldn't get your message across because there's, there's so much of everything, you know, it's hard to define. Edinburgh for us, was it was the first time, we did Edinburgh first in 2012, no, 2013. Yeah. <clears throat> it was the first time we ever got actual respect. Yeah. And it was a complete fucking accident. Yeah. Like I said, <clears throat> we had just come from Horse Outside, right? Yeah. So we're doing gigs up and down Ireland, very sweaty, late night, drunken gigs yeah. to an audience that are not cognizant because they're too drunk. Yeah. Uh, so our show had metamorpho- metamorphosized into this very violent chaos yeah. where there's no silence and we're shouting at the audience. Yeah. So that's what we were used to. That was a gig. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then we met a promoter called David Johnson and... We won some award and he met us and he said, I want to take you to Edinburgh. I didn't even know what the Edinburgh Fringe was. Yeah. I didn't have a clue. I yeah. didn't really know what theatre was, to be honest. Yeah. So we were, he first said to us, you're going to go to Edinburgh, you're going to do 30 nights. We were going, you can't do fucking 30 gigs, are you mad? Yeah. But he said, trust me. So we went to a place called the Gilded Balloon, which yeah. was a kind of a respected kind of theatre-ish venue. Yeah. They put us downstairs in the Gilded Balloon and the first thing we noticed is that there were seats and we shat our pants. Yeah. We were like, no, 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 no seats, no seats, please, that's terrifying. We need to have the audience standing up. Yeah. So the venue removed all the seats. So we had been billed as a theatre gig. We didn't know what that meant. We did our first couple of shows, and we did a sh- shows that were very violent and loud and drunk to an audience that were sober, chin-rubbing intellectuals. Yeah. 
Then, in a review the next day, which was like five stars, we got accused of subverting the nature of theatre by complete accident. Yeah. All we'd done was taken these gigs that were horrible, dirty affairs and that we were familiar with them, yeah. and put them in a theatre. Yeah. And then the Guardian are calling us clever. Yeah. It was an accident. Yeah. Do you know I what I mean? It. So the Edinburgh worked out for us in that respect. Yeah. We're just doing what we know. Um, but then, oh, as the years passed, we start to learn how to play to an audience that are not drunk, how to play to an audience that are quiet, that will sit down and how will listen. Yeah. So our show, uh, Continental Fistfight, developed into something that has its highs and lows. And we know that if, if, we sil- if we go quiet and we say a joke, people will actually listen. Yeah. And the, the loud, drunk horse outside people, they're just not interested anymore. They're into something else. So, so did you find that developing in your Edinburgh run because one of the things because that was yeah. also the one year I've the first year I've yeah. done Edinburgh in one year and now I, you, you came on a night that was genuinely drunken you, yeah. you well, came on and, and it was a night called Late in Live yeah, which right. is notorious for people throwing bottles on stage yeah, yeah. and but what, everyone was warning us about don't do Late in Live they're a yeah. mad audience and yeah. we're like sure we fucking do nothing but mad audiences that's we're, what used, we're to used to it. but that's what I, but, but, but what I found from from doing my run was doing the same gig essentially every night mm-hmm. in the same venue meant I could really hone the show. And by Absolutely. the end of it, it's the one I filmed that I put out as a DVD. But by the end of it, the reason, because I hadn't planned to yeah. film it, and I got, I think, 12 or 13 shows in, and I rung my mate Tom, who'd gone home at that point, yeah. and said, look, you've got to come back with your camera now, because yeah. my show is never going to be as good as it is yeah, at yeah, this yeah, moment. Yeah, I've yeah. got it so tight, because the lights are exactly the same every night. And that, the room, that was exactly the stage is the exact same sh- yeah. shape and size. It's like... Man, this, it's Groundhog Day in a way. It'll never be this good again. It'll yeah. ne- so I was like, we need to film it because, you know, I'll, I'll do this on a tour and it'll be a different venue every night, a slightly different size. Different shape, vibe on something this. Something blowing you. Yeah. yeah. Um, we got the exact same experience. Yeah. and I loved it for that. I loved it for that. If I felt I grew as a performer because of that. Because same of that. with us. Yeah. That, that's what Edinburgh yeah. did for us. I yeah. mean, one of the most beautiful moments ever in Edinburgh was that when, when we went quiet and said a joke, the audience listened. Yeah. We didn't have that in Ireland. We yeah. had an audience that were too drunk to listen. Yeah. We had an audience who didn't care what we were saying. They yeah. were just, I'm here to see the lads on the internet who do the song about the horse. Yeah. And with Edinburgh, it's like, you mean they're actually listening? Yeah. And then I was able to drop a few subversive jokes. I was yeah. able to talk about other stuff and it was grand. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're well over the hour mark, so I'll start to wrap things up. Um, what's ahead? What's the plan going for? forward for the rubber bandits what's we don't really is have there a one plan? i mean we're currently <laughs> we're currently writing a musical and that's all i can say about it is we're writing a musical and yep. it's very different to what we normally do and uh we're gonna we've series two of the almost impossible game show out on itv2 yeah we don't know we don't we don't really plan ahead we're just whatever it throws at us we'll do it it'll be grand you know and and, and, and where can people keep up to up to date with you guys you're on twitter and instagram yeah, and i just yeah like we're um Easy Twitter at Rubber Bandits. Just to fucking type us into Facebook. We're the ones with the blue tick. It's good crack. Perfect. Easy to... Uh, we should probably monetize something. We've no fucking merchandise. We've no nothing. I'm thinking about doing a podcast myself, so... I was going to say, if you go the podcast route, then keep in touch. I can hook you up with the yeah, right people. We I, can I make need something to do, happen People there. are asking me to do a podcast, but I just need to sit my arse down, figure out what it's about, and then... Hopefully, do because they like I've approached Irish radio and they won't have me on because I'm considered a, a, a too much of a lefty. All right, <laughs> for Irish radio. So yeah, I'd like to do a podcast and just have a bit of crack with it. You know, it's a bizarre thing, man. Since I've started doing this, I've spoken. I've been not had actual offers, solid offers, but I've been approached approached 
are with inquiries from some big radio stations and some big radio places will asking you have to if I'll be interested. It down? Will you have and that's to... exactly, it's kind of, I've realised it doesn't appeal to me at all because the way this is right now is exactly what I want to be doing with the it. The whole crack is it's two lads talking in a room. Yeah. There's no format, there's no producer in your ear who can do whatever you want. And that's it. And I record them when, when it's convenient with the people I want. And there's no, I mean, uh, we were discussing on the way up here t- two weeks ago, the podcast I had with Mira who was a, a survivor of sex tra- a trafficking trade, you couldn't have had that open no. and, and, no, and, no, no, and free no, no. a conversation on any kind of radio no. station or TV station. It's only in the world legal. of podcasts. You'd have to edit bits or chop bits or steer around bits. But because of the podcast world being, it's just up to me. If, yeah. if any heat comes on, it comes on me. And I don't give a fuck because, yeah. again, as we said, you, you're you're well in your right to be offended. If anything offends you, you're well in your but right. the this thing is, too, there's is no massive is. corporation over your shoulder that yeah. someone wants to sue. I just giving you that nudge. If and someone sues like you, that. they'll get 100 quid. Same yeah. if someone sues me, they'll get 100 quid. Yeah. You're not overlooked by some massive corporate overlord. So. Enjoy yourself on that. Well, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Well, I hope there'll be a... a podcast to come i announced on friday i'm launching a distraction pieces network so do keep me informed in case we want to uh in case we can work something together there yeah, so yeah. yeah we'll get something going but thank you very much for coming in and chatting it's been an absolute delight thank you scrobius it was wonderful There you go. How enjoyable was that? I think uh, we. I, I was pleasantly. No, I was going to say surprised. I wasn't surprised because I've chatted to Blind Boy before. And we've had some messages back and forth, and I knew he's an intelligent dude. But I think a lot of people will be surprised that that's that's, that's one of the more highbrow episodes of the podcast that we've had considering there's somewhere it's me and my mates are just getting drunk and talking nonsense that's pretty that's one of the more highbrow ones and you might not have expected that from a man with a plastic a carrier bag on his head but yeah f- fantastic chat i really enjoyed that thank you all for tuning in and thank you for supporting if if, if you listen on itunes it's great if you can review us or give us a star rating it's really a simple thing to do you just go and click the star rating and it just helps us get more hype it helps us climb in the in the charts which allows more people to see it again a lot of people argue like oh it's not about chart position of course it's not but they don't realize that chart position helps exposure and therefore helps spread the uh the word of the podcast so yeah hope you enjoyed this one we mentioned a few different podcasts in this so i think we mentioned this or a few different people who we've had on the podcast at least i think we mentioned Stuart lee i think we might have mentioned richard herring i'm not sure if me and blind were just talking about him separately before we we got on there a lot of different comedians and actors and wonderful people in there so yeah check them out have a good browse through the back catalog tell your friends a word of mouth continues to be the best the best source of um of advertising and pushing the podcast i've mentioned how how big the uh, the housing for women's special was with mira we didn't really get any big press out of it you know there wasn't anyone big pushing it or promoting it that was i think our biggest first day downloads of of the year and it was because of you lot raving about it and tweeting about it hundreds of tweets about 
that particular episode and pushing it out to people. So again, it's that beautiful thing as we discussed in the Leap podcast. It's 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 all in our own power and in our own hands. You don't have to rely anymore on some big media conglomerate to 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 give you their blessing or to allow you to transcend to the next level and have a wider audience it's it's down to you guys and 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 us hopefully producing a a hype worthy and share worthy um podcast every week that all got a bit much didn't it i was was trying to end it but anyway let's just end the podcast and all go and have a nice day and just bloody relax all right just relax guys just have a lovely time and everyone will be happy. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Scroobius Pip. You can find me at Scroobius Pip on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Pip. All that good stuff. See you next week.